Welcome to Legend Lore, 2nd Edition, where we talk about Pathfinder 2nd Edition. I'm Jess. I'm a tabletop RPG freelancer and frequent contributor to the Pathfinder and Starfinder games. I've been playing tabletop and live-action role-playing games for a little over 20 years, and I've worked in the industry for five, writing for two dozens of, Path- of Paizo products. I played Ziodani, the Asimar Druid, on the Valiant Actual Play podcast, and I'm a cast member on the Tavern Rats podcast, a new Pathfinder 2 actual play show we're putting together for the No Direction Network. And I'm Lauren. I've been playing tabletop RPGs for over 20 years now. I've contributed to multiple Pathfinder blogs and podcasts, and I'm currently a PhD student in the field of animal intelligence. And this week, we're talking about Iomade, the Inheritor. Now, just because we know a lot about what we're talking about when it comes to Pathfinder, we do want to remind you that we're not providing official answers. We're here to offer advice, and you can use it however you'd like. Remember that the official word from Paizo is the only official ruling. Don't forget, though, that it is your game. You should do whatever works best for your table. Now, Iomide's... I don't know about you, Jess, but to me, Iomide's one of those deities that have always been like, yeah, I mean, I guess it's Iomide. The basic goody two-shoes, like, goddess of Pathfinder, right? But this is... How, how it goes here at Legend Lore. Every time I'm getting ready to do one of the deities or cover something, I suddenly realize, pouring through all of the lore and the legends, that this deity's actually kind of cool. Yeah, like, my idea of Aomide was just like, oh, yeah, sure, she's the paladin god. She's, like, the ultimate paladin god. She was a mortal who was a paladin and then became a god, and now she's a paladin god worshipped by paladins, you know? And none of that (laughs) is wrong or off the mark either. But I like that what they've done with the world of Galarian, or the inner sea, the age of lost omens, is that they've taken these things and they've given them detail. They've kind of fleshed them out so that there's a reason that she's this lawful good deity and that there's also some tragedy in the story as well. Yeah, Aomide's story is actually pretty interesting and there's a lot of... uh... There's been some adventure paths that have gone a little bit into her history or her interactions with other gods. Now, just to get us started on Iomide, because we could go for ages on the different lores that are present, especially what's been written about her, and just hypothetically what some of the dev notes have been for Iomide. But but let's go down the list. Let's, Let's get things put down for those who might be unfamiliar with the deities uh, of Pathfinder. To start off with, she is the lawful good goddess of the things that will make a paladin happy to be running around and doing paladin things. Uh, She's your goddess of honor, justice, valor, rightful rulership, and wearing shining full plate. Oh yeah. So Aomide, because she was originally a mortal, her the way that she's depicted as a god is fairly in line with the appearance she had as a mortal. She's depicted as a, a Talden woman, which she was when she was alive. Uh, she's depicted fully armed and ready for battle, wearing her shining full plate. And then she also has a cloak. Do you want to talk about her cloak, Lauren? 
I think it's kind of cool. And it's a little note that you tend to miss because anytime you see Iomade depicted uh, in Pathfinder, pretty much all the time, you see her wearing a red cloak. But she probably doesn't wear the red cloak most of the time. According to the lore, just not the images, Iomade's cloak is actually white and it only turns red when she's going to battle. She also carries a shield with her, and she has a uh, longsword, which is her favored weapon. Longswords are so important to the Iomedean religion that her symbol is just a longsword that has some, you know, little holy embellishments around the side. For some reason, she lions are sacred to her, I believe. I would hypothesize that it's probably because lions are traditionally seen as this brave animal and, and bravery is something that she wants to project and inspire for her followers. Listen, she was a mortal first. Cats were her favorite animal. Now a cat is her sacred animal. It, it, the math maths. Are you for real? You're going to go down the cat lady route with her? I am. This gives me pause. <laughs> So most of the time that you'll see someone who's like really devout from the Iomedean religion, it, you'll see the long sword at the Holy Rays, or I don't know, maybe you'll see the symbol of the lion like on a crest, but you're almost always going to see their different accoutrement adorned with whites and with reds. Now, Jess, tell me, tell us a little, let's go just a little bit into some of the mortal history of, of Iomedae. Yeah, so Aomide is actually pretty young as far as gods go. She was born about 900 years ago in Cheliax. And during her mortal life, she was a champion. She was a paladin of Arasni the Red Crusader. And she was the leader of the Knights of Ozam. Though listeners are probably more familiar with this order as the Knights of Last Wall, which is the new name the Knights took in 4719 AR. Under Aomide's leadership, the Knights of Ozem were the spearhead of the Shining Crusade against Tarbophon in the 39th century. Now, have we heard Tarbophon before? For listeners who might have heard, who, who, who might not know the name, is there, is there another thing that he's known for? Or uh, known Tarbophon as? is also known as the Whispering Tyrant. So kind of one of the biggest bads of the setting. So... As the general of the Knights of Ozem, Iomide, in her mortal form, as a paladin, uh, kind of led the, led the charge against Tarbophon, who was also known as the Whispering Tyrant. This guy sucked. He was like the evilest of the evil lich. He like destroyed a ton of land and turned just all kinds of people into undead. Nobody was happy about it, but the Knights of Ozem... Uh, you know, they led, they led the defense against it. And there's just a ton of story there, which is really interesting. And I wish we had time in this episode to talk more about it. If you do want to learn more about Tarbophon the Whispering Tyrant, though, you can check out the Tyrant's Grasp Adventure Path from Paizo. It is a first edition adventure path, but you could play it in first edition, you could convert it to second edition, or you could just... Give it a read through. Now, after 
the Knights of Ozem, eventually known as the Knights of West. Well, after they eventually sealed Tarbifon away, they didn't kill him, they just got the Whispering Tyrant back behind doors. Uh, I mean, they did some stuff as a mortal before undergoing the test of the Starstone. And some of... 11 of the stuffs that Iomide did were kind of miraculous and are known as the Acts of Iomide. They're actually detailed out. You can read all 11 of the miraculous Acts of Iomide, but really it just kind of is like defeating various evils in a really cool way or freeing the innocent. Or My personal favorite was where her sword broke and she kind of reforged it with force of will and divinity alone. And I, I always I get the image of like, her swords and all these pieces, but like it's kind of held together like loosely and she can still swing it and deal damage just by her faith. I don't know. I thought that was cool. Yeah. So Aomide uh, ascended to divinity by passing the test of the star stone. She is one of three gods that have passed this test. The other two are Norgaber and Caden Kalian, but Norgaber passed the test of the star stone quite some time ago, in 18, uh, 1893 AR. Caden Kalian passed the test in 2765, whereas for Aomide, she only ascended to godhood in 3832 AR, which is, like, fairly not that long ago. Like I said, she was born only 900 years ago, so she is far and away the youngest of the uh, the core twenty deities in Pathfinder, and so with her spark of divinity that she gained from passing the test of the Starstone, Aomide became Aridin's herald uh, until forty six oh six AR when he died and she inherited his mantle and followers, which gave her her own position with among the current pantheon of the Pathfinder gods. Now, for folks unfamiliar with Galarian lore or Galarian deities, the herald of of being the herald of a deity, you're kind of like their champion. Uh, I don't think I don't think you're you're not the mortal champion. You're like a demigod for yes. that god. Yeah. And yeah, a lot of a lot of heralds are stuff like um, very powerful uh, outsiders, like angels and stuff like that. Some of them are risen mortals. Uh, in, like, Besmara's case, her herald is a ghost ship. I did not know that, and that's literally the coolest thing I've ever heard about in Pathfinder. Yeah, there, there's a lot of uh, very cool heralds. And so, uh, Aomide was one of these uh, very, very cool heralds. The next deity we have to do must be Besmara, so we can talk more about that. Because that is... Oh. So I have such things to say, but this episode will yeah. go too long if I keep getting sidetracked. So yeah. as one of the core 20 deities in in Pathfinder, more specifically in the Inner Sea region, uh, the Age of Lost Omens, or the, yeah, the Age of Lost Omens. Uh, so she now has her own divine realm, and she's such a big deal that it's in heaven. <laughs> it, it's known as Sword Home. Uh, Aomide is uh, allies with Abadar, who is the god of cities and economics, Toreg, the god of dwarves, and Sarenrae, who Lauren covered in a previous episode with Luis on Legend Lore. Now, for you who are interested in what Iomide has to do, or more specifically, for your characters and NPCs who might be interested in Iomide, the way 
deities and followers and being a priest or a champion of a deity, you need to fit under the alignment criteria that the rules have specified. For Iomide, that means she's only going to give divine spells or power to lawful good or neutral good characters. She's not interested in, in chaotic good. Don't even bring that to her. That's what other deities are for. She commands. Yeah, you can worship her as a chaotic good character, but if you want to be a champion or a cleric who gets power from her, she's only going to empower champions and clerics who are lawful good and neutral good. And I think that the reason she doesn't like uh, the reason she doesn't like chaotic good is because one of her biggest tenets is rightful rulership. It's right alongside justice, honor, and valor. She likes to see the king that is legitimate respected, right? She likes when the government is legitimate. So, you know, chaotic good is sometimes like, I mean, I got to do what I got to do to help people. She really wants to see characters work inside the law to make things happen, right? Extremely sus. Yeah, and to that... And to that end, she commands that her followers be brave, practice temperance, and always fight for what's right and honorable. And I want to point out that always fight for what's right and honorable, the first part fight is kind of nebulous here. Like, you don't have to always be putting longsword in the face of evil. You can also be putting pen to paper and challenging legal systems that are unjust. Yeah, you could be like a an activist or an advocate for others. You don't have to be like a, a sword warrior though. I mean, if you were like an advocate or an activist or like a lawyer or something, someone defending the innocent, uh, you probably would still have sword iconography on your person, just given how obsessed uh, uh, Yamade's church is with swords. I think you were even saying that. Some of them will get tattoos of a sword, unsurprisingly, but that then if they displease Iomade, it, like, fades away? Yeah, she can take your sword tattoo away from you. Uh, One of the the main reasons that she will do this is if you start getting up into other people's business and start trying to, like, white knight for people or advocate for people who actually do have their own voice and could just speak for themselves, if you insert yourself into other people's uh, uh, business in that way and start... Like speaking over them, right? Yeah, if you start speaking over people who could be speaking for themselves, Aomide does not like this, and she will actually take your sick uh, sword tattoo away from you. It will fade from your body. So trampling the rights of people in order to do justice for them, quote-unquote, is definitely something that she's not a fan of. One might even call it anathema. (laughs) She also demands that her followers do not act with dishonor, refuse a fair challenge, or abandon a companion in need. Let's put a pin on that one, because that's a whole episode later. Yeah, we'll return to that in a future episode of Legend Lore. And then, of course, all the deities of the Pathfinder setting of Galarian uh, grant domains, or they have domains, things that Things that they really embody. Hers are confidence, might, truth, zeal, and duty is an alternative domain for her. There's not really a lot written about, you know, different specific holy sites for most of the deities in Galarian. But, like, can you think of some different places that might be holy? 
Well, uh, Aomide definitely has cathedrals dedicated to her, and her faithful will also congregate in castle and castles and other large uh, fortifications for worship. All of these places, regardless of where they gathered, Aomide uh, and temples are immaculately kept, extremely clean, extremely tidy. But as far as like outside of temples, as far as other sites that might be holy sites, I imagine uh, battlefields where great evils were defeated would probably be something that Aomidans would be very interested in. Yeah, I can definitely picture like the scene where they first defeated Tarbafon and then, you know, and then eventually took him to seal him away. You know, there'd be pilgrims of Iomidae going there, right? I bet there's like a whole barracks and all kinds of stuff there to just train and whatnot. But also so, coming back to um, not all Aomidaeans needing to be literal warriors who fight in like literal wars. Like there, there are the, the metaphysical uh, ways that you, the, the metaphorical ways that you could fight. And so sites of metaphorical victories might also be interesting to them. Uh, places where uh, corrupt rulers were overthrown or just any kind of victory over evil. These are the gallows where we cut off the head of old of that old tyrant. <laughs> yeah. That might be a little dark. But yeah, I like that. Now, if you aspire to be a champion or a cleric or some other divinity user, you might get some benefits for being a faithful of the inheritor. Your clerics and your paladins... Instead of getting access to harm, you're going to get access to heal instead. And almost all of her faithful uh, get training in both intimidation and longswords. Clerics of Ayamide also gain the True Strike, Sea Invisibility, and Fire Shield spells added to their spell list. Now, I still feel like other classes that have the Divine spell list, I feel like... Maybe, maybe Iomide kind of should give them those spells too. Like if you made a, if you made a divine sorcerer or sorceress and these weren't on your spell list, if you're particularly devout of Iomide, I think it'd be cool if your GM said, instead of whatever those bloodline spells are, here's Iomide spells instead. Maybe. Or they could just be added to, like, the options of what you could take. So, like, you're a divine caster, and maybe ordinarily see invisibility or fire shield might not be an option on the spell list for you to take. But if you wanted to spend one of the spells that you know on this spell, it, it could be an option that's available to you. I think that's probably better than replacing a bloodline spell, because you don't want to diminish the bloodline, right? You know? Mm -hmm. You just want to show that Iomide is meddling in those affairs somehow. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you make Iomide particularly pleased with you, you might find yourself uh, with a boon, one of her boons. The minor boon of Iomide is one of my favorites in that your, your clothing and your body are always nice and clean. Your clothes aren't wrinkled, aren't wrinkled. Your, the, the metal on your armor and for your, and for your blade shining, unblemished. I mean, you can still get, like, sick from diseases and other filth-based things, but, you know, it, this will at least help you as if you washed your hands. Yeah, if you do a good enough, <laughs> if you do a good enough job uh, meticulously cleaning the Yamadean temple, now you don't have to wash your own hands. <laughs> yeah, th th this is suddenly becoming disgusting. 
You don't have to wash your hands anymore because Iomide's got you. She got your back. Yeah. Uh, Iomide's moderate boon uh, is that uh, she will end all negative effects affecting you unless they came from an artifact, deity, or similarly powerful source. She'll restore lost hit points and replenish your spells, your focus points, and other daily resources. But the major boon of Iomide, this is the exciting one. See, this is where she, she says, I like I like long swords, and you do too. So here, I'm going to make your long sword just holy as crap. She gives any longsword that you're wielding the axiomatic, holy, and major striking rooms while you're holding them. Now, I mean, you can't, like, combine that. You can't meta this and say, like, well, I'm also going to get the other ones that this longsword has because it was already a mate. No, 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 no. Just, you know, you got to pick which ones are actually going to work. And on top of that, you just always get a plus two bonus to attack with longswords. That's a status get, bonus. That's right. But to get a major boon like this... I mean, gosh, what, what would your character have to do? This would be, like, the campaign reward, you know, for, for, for like, for something that she would have commanded you to do. Like, if you did Wrath of the Righteous in 2E, at the end of it, Iomade, I don't know if that went well. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of that, Iomade might say, here you go, have this boon now that you're retired. Yeah, I imagine that, like... So the acts of Aomade, some of them are about Aomade, like, uh, defeating this great evil, smiting this great evil, so on and so forth. I imagine if you and your, your character, your Aomade character, were going into battle against, like, a very powerful, very evil foe that Aomade is just, like, absolutely opposed to during that battle, that might be a time when Aomade might uh, bless you with a major boon like this. Oh, yeah, it's less of a reward and more of preemptive, like ensuring mm-hmm, that her will mm-hmm. be done here. That's interesting. Because you're showing, you're showing the courage and the valor by going into this battle, right? Yeah, yeah, she's leveling the playing field if the odds were against you. Now, likewise, if you've done some of the anathema things, if, if you have were a faithful of Iomade and you have sullied her good name, you will find that all of your gear sucks. It's half hit points and breaks twice as fast for your weapons, your armor, and your shields. And you know it's also just, like, real dirty now. Yeah, but that's just the minor curse. Yeah, at, when you have the moderate curse, when Aomade's ire, when Aomade is particularly displeased with you, or uh, should I say moderately displeased with you, uh, tactical advantages are just not going to go the way that you imagine they will. Like, you're going to imagine your plan, like, in, in your head, like, this is my plan, I'm going to come up this way, they're going to go that way, we're going to uh, come around either side. But with the moderate curse of Aomade, you cannot receive circumstance bonuses to your attack rolls, and enemies don't take circumstance penalties to their AC against your attacks. So, like, you think you have cover? Think again. You're a rogue, and you think you have flanking so you can sneak attack? Thank again. Oh God, listeners! I wish you could you could have seen Jess like waving her finger back and forth like Sonic the Hedgehog <laughs> on that. It was amazing. <laughs> now, if you've royally messed up to the point, oh, if you've majorly messed up to the point where Iomade is just like, I am done with you. You have betrayed the faithful in the most heinous way possible. I'm just gonna read this straight up because it's so it's so awful. 
any weapon you wield automatically becomes broken after you strike with it. <laughs> you, you hit someone with a sword, it just breaks. Your sword crumbles. <laughs> it, it's just, it's so fitting, you know? It's so fitting. I imagine, though, to get that level of curse, this has to be, like, at the end of the campaign, you're tempted by, like, a demon prince or something. And and you go for it. You're like, I like what he's saying. I like what this demon prince is selling me. I was like, cool. Well, you know, while you're enjoying that, also enjoy this curse. Yeah, yeah. This this curse, like the uh, the major boon, I imagine that the choice that Aomade would make to implement this is a combination of both your transgressions against her, uh, plus what exactly it is that you are even trying to do with your your weapon in that moment. Like it's difficult to imagine that Aomade would uh, impart this curse on you if you were fighting like a, an evil villain for noble and just causes, right? Like, even if you had transgressed against her, if you were fighting, like, a terrible tyrant, it's difficult to imagine that Iamade would hamper you in this way. But if you were fighting someone who Iamade thinks shouldn't actually be your opponent at all, shouldn't be your target, someone you shouldn't be fighting, she's going to make that fight very difficult for you. You know, that'd be really interesting, where you think you're doing the thing that promotes justice. Mm -hmm. you, you, you know, it's a controversial subject, whatever it is, but you think you're doing the right thing. And when you go to fight whoever it is, Iomade rusts your sword into powder with this major curse. That's yeah. interesting, you know, because you think you're doing the right thing and it, it kind of lets you know. And for some reason, I just had an idea. I've always thought that these boons and these curses are... are they don't come up enough, but they're really cool, and they're really story. But, like, if your character's not super religious, why does it matter? But I had this idea. I just, I finally figured it out. If, you, if you're a rogue and your benefactor sends you, you're not a rogue, you're just a, a, a no-good neck, and your benefactor sends you to go assault, like, steal something from a temple. Depending on the value of what you just stole, maybe you get the curse. Or, likewise, you know, you go protect, like, a small town, uh, and the village gets overran by gnolls. You clear you, cl uh, the temple gets overran by gnolls. You clear it out. Whoever the deity is, maybe they give you a boon for the good deed that you just did, even if you're not a follower of them. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I love the boons and the curses, but they don't come up enough. I mean, maybe maybe that idea can help them come up more often for some people. Um, but pretty much any follower of Ioma Day, a PC, an NPC, someone who just pays lip service. When you go to the temple, because it's the only one in town, and you get some healing, they're all going to have these different customs, which are unique and interesting, and can help flesh out the world and the religion. And I think, I think the whole sword worship is honestly kind of cool. Yeah, I really enjoyed reading about this in Amade's entry. There's a bunch of information about like, so the so the long sword is her favorite weapon, and her holy symbol is a sword, and her followers get these six sword tattoos, and sword this, sword that. Uh, when it comes to actually owning a long sword, though, uh, it's common for Amadeans to um, inherit long swords 
from their their ancestors. So like you you might uh, pass your sword down to your children, or you might donate it to the temple. It's very rare, in fact, unheard of for an Aomidan to be buried with their sword. So even if you were like a champion of Aomidae, you have your long sword, it, you did so many great deeds with it, uh, and then you pass away, you're not going to be buried with that sword. That sword is going to keep serving Aomidae. It's going to stay in the church. I love the little anecdote in Gods and Magic about this. Because they also say that instead of bearing that sword, which can mm-hmm. go do more good, they'll they might put like a sword on a piece of paper, like a draw a piece of paper on a piece of paper and bury that instead. And I don't, I don't. They didn't mention what I'm about to say, but I really think that like the nobility and those of money, the upper class, aren't gonna do that. I think they might do like a replica sword or like something like that. But I do love the image of some some old person who has a story about how Iomide once uh, once saved their village like 50 years ago and when and when and when he passes his wife maybe they don't have a lot of money so she gets like a scrap of parchment and draws a sword on it and buries him with that you know i i, I like i like the paper the sword on the paper f- for those folk but I, I just don't see the nobility doing it yeah, like in addition to the like the piece of paper with a sword drawn on it, uh, sometimes Yamadans are buried with symbols of swords. So, like a like you said, a replica sword, or like a a necklace with a sword, or uh, really any holy symbol of Yamade is, as we've covered, also a sword. Other parts, uh, let me actually read so I don't know what I'm saying. I, I do this, Jess. This is what I do. I just, I just, my, I just allow my mouth to start making words before I have <laughs> any idea what I'm interested in, 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 in doing with it. Uh, fighting crime priest on the front lines. Uh, it's similar with armor as well. Uh, Amadeans won't be buried with their armor. They'll instead bequeath it to loved ones or to the church or to someone else who is going to continue serving Amadeans' cause. Now, as part of being a servant of Iomidae, you're probably going to respect some of the holy days, or, or the holidays, if you will. Now, I know in the spring, followers will choreograph these sword fights and uh, leading up to, to an event, and then, and then they'll practice them and perform them in the town squares, and it's, it's really quite interesting. And then in the last week, so, like, the top performers present their act in just this big, magnificent fashion. It's got pyrotechnics, it's got smoke bombs, very colorful. It's like, like a sword version of... Let, let's be honest, those... it's like medieval times. What are those What are those marathons where you come out of it and you, you're covered in, like, colorful chalk? Oh, that, I do not know. Okay, it's like it's like those marathons where at the end of it, like people have thrown all kinds of colorful chalk on you. It's like that, but instead was sword fighting and explosives. Yeah, I don't usually think about Aomide and smoke bombs together. Everybody likes smoke bombs. Yeah, they also uh, observe her ascendance day, so the day she passed as a star stone. They observe. Inheritor's Ascendance, the day she became Errol's Herald, the day of the Inheritor, the day she assumed Aridan's mantle, which presumably would also then be the day of Aridan's death. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's also Remembrance Moon, which uh, is a holiday that remembers the fallen knights of the Shining Crusade. Uh, 
There is Armas, an ancient festival that includes uh, joust, duels, and other tests of arms. Uh, and then there is the Day of Morningfell, which mourns the death of Razni. Let's put another uh, another a, l- a little pin in that. Just a little pin. Yeah, we'll return. We'll return to this in a future episode of Legend Lore. We have so many things pinned in this that this is definitely going to have to be another episode. There's no oh, way yeah. around it. Oh There's yeah. Also, Iomidaeans have some little sayings. Uh, I think they're all kind of kind of silly. I don't know that any of these are that good, but you know they're here. And I would encourage you, if you are a paladin of Iomidae, to come up with your own. But the first one that we have here is a used blade never dulls. And they kind of use this to remind you to stay sharp, keep your wits about you, because you never know when you're needed. But a used blade totally dulls. That's what happens when you use a blade. Yeah, but it's it's a metaphor. And it's a if dumb you're using metaphor. The way in which a used blade does actually dull is also applicable to the metaphor, though. Because when you say a used blade never dulls, as a reminder to keep your yourself sharp, uh, it's also uh, implicitly through what is left out of the saying, reminding you that when you use a blade, you must also maintain your blade. That the use and the maintenance are hand in hand. You cannot have the use without the maintenance. I actually like that. I think that in that light, this actually makes a lot more sense, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You kind of remind your paladin who's worn out and low on hit points and insists on going forward, mm-hmm. I used blade, never dulls. Yeah, so like when you're taking this and you're applying it to things other than uh, literal weapons, if you have someone who is uh, worn out and they're exhausted and you can't, they can't go on, when you say to them, a used blade never dulls, implicitly what you're saying to them is that if they actually want to continue this fight in the larger sense, they do need to stop. They can't be uh, dulling themselves because then like, you're not really making any progress at all if you are completely wearing yourself out to the point of exhaustion. Ever the pragmatists, Knights of Iomidae might say, for victory, for the heart. Which they're kind of, this one also takes some thought about, like the last one. What it means, though, is that, like, if you want to win, you aim for the weak spot, you know? Or, like, you get, you cut to the chase of it, of the matter. And then in reference to the way her cloak will change from white to red when she goes into battle, it's cloak turned red, or their cloak turned red. You would use this for, like, like a knight or a priest who's ready to go serve in a more physical or violent way. Cloak turned red. Or even the, the litigious barrister with Iomide mm-hmm. in, in their prayers. Uh, you might say this before a big court case. Even, like, if you were describing the actions of someone after the fact, if there were, like, uh, an Aomidean barrister, and you were describing what happened when they went into the courtroom and were advocating for the innocent, when you were describing 
the way that they they stood up for uh, those who couldn't represent themselves in that court. You might say, like, oh, and the lawyer's cloak turned red, and that everyone, like the other Yamadeans, would understand, like, implicitly what this means. Like, oh, this this guy, like, he went for it. Like, it was on. I like that. That's cool too. I think that's a little bit better. Now we're at now, Jess. We're at my favorite part of every episode that we do, the part where. We just have crappy opinions about stuff. And for these deity episodes, what this is is where we look at the different classes that exist in Pathfinder, and we just we just kind of headcanon, or we just kind of like brainstorm about like how well would would each of these you know fit. Now since there's a lot, like we can't dwell on them that much, but I think we'll talk a little bit more about some of the more interesting ones. Mm-hmm. But as always, since Iomade is a deity, we start with. Uh, the most on-the-nose ones, the the clerics and the champions. Now, I like talking about the clerics in, in this episode. And, and listeners don't know, but in, in the little guidelines that we write for ourselves to, to stay on track, because you guys know I will go off the rails. In these little guidelines, this note is called Specialty Priests. Because way back in the days of 2nd Edition Dungeons & Dragons, I don't remember what it was called, but there was a book... And it just had, like, lists of what the specialty priest or of what the priest of this deity might look like or what the paladin of this deity might look like with the different abilities that they get from that deity and the different things that they don't have. That always stuck with me. Anytime I'm making a cleric, I'm thinking about them in terms of what the specialty priest would be for that deity. And so for Iomade, I think both... Cloistered Cleric and War Priest are pretty good in different ways. I feel like you're going to see more War Priests of Iomade just because even though it doesn't have to have a martial bent, there is a martial bent to the Iomade worship. But your Cloistered Clerics, this is definitely someone who could be litigious about doing right. Absolutely, I agree. And like, so the the image of Iomade is like a warrior with the longsword, with the shield in like a full suit of armor. And that's absolutely the image that you're going to be going for, like as a war priest or as a champion, but as a cloistered cleric, because you're not necessarily wearing like the heavy armor. Like, I, I imagine that even their uh, like leather vestments or something are going to be kind of in this like in a style that evokes the image of full plate like you might still be wearing like a gorget or you might still be wearing like very prominent shoulders you know that's kind of what i was thinking about too or even just like a very light chain shirt you know mm-hmm, just like a real mm-hmm. thin just some thin cosmetic cosmetic chain if you will larp chain <laughs> oh no the cloistered clerics of Iomade are all LARPers. Now, champions of Iomade, <laughs> this is probably the most common one, or, or but it's the least interesting one. The champion of Iomade is the paladin. Yeah, Just- your, your god was a mortal who was a paladin, and now they're a god, and now you're the paladin of the paladin. Like, it's the, the, like, it's the ur-paladin, is the... The ultimate paladin is the the paladin of the paladin. Yeah, like, you know, insert vanilla paladin. 
That is, those are your champions of Ioma Day. But now, but now let's get to the interesting ones. And we've got these arranged alphabetically, uh, just because otherwise it'd be a chaotic mess. Yeah, so like, starting with the alchemist, I mean, somebody has to make these smoke bombs, right? <laughs> smoke bombs. Yeah. yeah. The smoke bombs, the healing potions that, you know, yeah. that, that they need to take into battle. Mm-hmm. And it's it, very easy to see, like, some alchemist is like, man, I love chemistry, but I also like doing what's right and, like, joining, like, a knightly order of Iomade. Easy yeah. to see that. Yeah. Barbarian. Barbarian fit? I, I mean, you just get, like, so fired up for courage and valor, right? Yeah, but she's And there's, so... like, the, there's, like, that the animal instinct barbarian, right? You could be, like, a, a lion-y barbarian who just gets, like, so fired up about about being brave. Yeah, I think what I'm doing is I'm thinking about barbarian in the chaotic sense and going, yeah. Yeah, I don't know about that. But, yeah, I think you're right. If you get all fired up at injustice, you know, yeah. oh, injustice makes me mad. I just got to hit something. That'd be a good barbarian of Ioma Day. Yeah, Bard um, also, like, kind of kind of uh, vibing off of what we were saying about the cloistered cleric. Bard is a great option for someone who is, like, uh, standing up for people who aren't able to to defend themselves uh, outside of battle. So, like, you could be telling stories to inspire people to rise up against their oppressors. You could be sharing the tales of uh, the other Ayamadeans. You could be uh, uh, retelling the acts of Ayamade. That's how I thought Bard was going to make sense too because like mm-hmm. you don't have to take song like you don't have to sing and dance as a bard you can be orator you know you can just speak real good i, I thought bard made a lot of sense now druid's interesting because at the surface value at the surface level you're like yeah i don't know about that but then you had some bomb lore for us jess Oh, yeah. So in the Knights of Lastwall book, which is very, you know, like the this is the knightly order that Aomade led when she was alive. So the entire book is very, like, tied in to the Aomade lore and the Aomadean faith. And one of the gods that gets a write-up in that book is Gendawin, the Lady of Fangwood, who is like a, like a, a, a fae goddess. And so Gendawin, is uh, a fae who rules this one, like the the Fangwood on Galarian, this incredibly ancient forest. But the Fangwood is close to uh, where they fought the Whispering Tyrant. And so uh, Gendwin has alliances with the Knights of Lastwall and is incredibly opposed to undead. Very like, gotta fight undead, gotta fight the corruption. And that is a great angle for making an Aomidean druid. Someone who is uh, allied with Gendowin, who is maybe from the Fangwood. Someone who just wants to destroy the undead. Because like, like very like, undead are an unnatural abomination. Just destroy them, you know? Because, like, you, you think about clerics and you think about, like, like, historically clerics have had, like, the turn undead ability. But when it comes to Pathfinder 2nd Edition, uh, druids can cast heal on the undead. Druids can cast searing light. That's true. That's true. I had another idea with this, too. I think yours is probably better. But what if, like, you're just an old knight and you retire to the woods? Oh, and you yeah. just kind of, because you just kind of found a love of it, you know? And, like, that just kind of becomes, like, your whole life. 
Mm-hmm. You know, this this is what I do now. I am the one who lives in the woods and tend and takes care of it and protects it from undead and Yeah, another thing you can do as a druid, honestly of any god, uh because if if a god is going to have a like a favored animal, like as an Aomidean druid, you can be a wild order druid and turn into a lion. Oh yeah, that actually be really good. Yeah. So Fighters what about of- uh being what about being a fighter of Aomidae? Well, she does. How like are you going to make that work? <laughs> she does like armor. She does like shields. I mean, we have to start of something here. Look, look. You're someone <laughs> who, assuming just okay. Let me back up. Quick disclaimer: We assume for all of these different theoreticals that the PC in question of this class is devout, not mm-hmm. just a lip service, a devout. Fighter. So why would someone devout be a fighter of Iomidae? And I would say that this represents that you're maybe not good with religion. That you know you love what you've heard about her, but you're not book smart. Like you don't, you might not know the eleven acts of Iomidae, right? But you know what she stands for, and you know that somebody's got to do something. And you know maybe Iomidae helps those who help themselves, right? I mean, it could also just be a representation of your focus and your training. Like, what you are is you are a knight. You have a sword. You have a shield. Are you casting spells? No. You have a sword and shield and you are a knight and you are charging into battle. And you are owning that battlefield. That's true. You know, really taking the... Yeah, the martial aspect of her and just focusing on that. Like, yeah, it'd be cool to be a divine champion and use the sacred oils to to do better in battle, but who's got time for that? You're the knight who gets crap done, right? Yeah, like the the champion has their champion reaction and they're going to help the other uh, warriors on the battlefield, but someone needs to be that knight on that battlefield who is getting things done. And that is the fighter. I don't think Gunslinger does anything in this regard different than Fighter. I don't don't think anything about the tech of it. You could have a combination weapon. You could have a longsword that is also a gun. You could, but so could a fighter. Yeah, but there's there's that one Gunslinger way. Yeah, there's a Gunslinger way that is focused on combo weapons. You could could pick that up. Yeah. It's, It's cool. I don't. Yeah. I just don't know that the concept of gunslinger particularly interacts with Iomidae in any meaningful way. I don't think. Maybe it, you have those smoke it, bombs again. Oh, the smoke bombs! The smoke bombs! <laughs> Always the smoke bombs. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it. I don't think anything is against it either, though. Like mm-hmm. you know, you could believe Iomidae things and shoot a gun. No worries. Yeah. But yeah. the investigator. This might be the most Iomade one. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna ferret out that corruption. Yeah, like you are primed to do all the fighting that needs to get fought physically, and you're primed to do all the litigious fighting that needs to get fought. Mm-hmm. You know, you're the best of both worlds. But mm-hmm. that might also just be because investigator is like literally the best class ever. Fighting. Yeah, investigator slaps. Uh, the the inventor, I don't know. It's those smoke bombs again for me. I, th- hmm. I think if you dial back the inventor, I have a little bit of beef with the inventor. It's just kind of outrageous, you know. Yeah. Like that's oh, the you point know what? Of it. You know what? You could be an inventor 
who like you could have a, a weapon innovation right and it could be your your like super long sword and you're just like really decking out your long sword or your armor for well, for iomade for the inheritor I'm at it like if you have a keep full of a knightly order that is of iomade this yeah. is your blacksmith oh this yeah. is somebody forging the weapons and like trying to like create like a sharper blade you know or yeah. a blade a a used blade that never dulls you know i, yeah. I could definitely see an inventor yeah you're you're right that's sick Magus doesn't do anything. Uh, I also think Magus doesn't interact in any meaningful way with Iomade. It's gonna I be think it's the fine. same as the. F- yeah, no, it's fine. I think it's fine. You you sword strike with your long sword. You know, you have you have your long sword and you do your sword strike and you like I don't know you fireball people with your long sword. Yeah, but I mean, there's not really like a synergy there, though. You know, it's not really. Uh, I- Iomade isn't encouraging or discouraging it. It's just she's it- just so obsessed with long swords, though. Yeah, you do need to use the longsword. You know, she, yeah, no, she probably would, you know. You would definitely get, you would get to do <laughs> the longsword stuff. Oh, yeah, there's a, there's a, a, a shield, Megas, too, right? The, the sparkling targe or whatever? Yeah, there is in there. Yeah, that would, that would be sick, too. That'd be fine. Yeah. As a monk, well, or, or not as a monk, what would draw a worshiper of Iomade into the monk? Or what about Monk would draw someone into a worshipper of Iomade? A used blade never dulls. But if you don't use a blade... <laughs> no, no, the, metaphor, metaphorically, yeah, a yeah, used yeah. blade never dulls. You're training your body. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. But, like, isn't that more an Aurora thing? Like, aren't there other gods that do that better? Uh, that, I would say that other gods have that vibe, but... But the the idea of a used blade never dulls definitely ties in with that idea of like oh, maintaining your body and keeping yourself healthy and you know like being weird about being clean all the time. Well, and also like a used blade never dulls, but mm-hmm. you actually have to use the blade. You know, oh, yeah. Aurora, you you might be a monk who you know you you probably know all the monks you trained with were Irore, but you thought they were too cloistered. You thought they were too, they were too peaceful. They weren't ready to go get their hands dirty and do the fighting themselves. Their you know? cloaks were not getting red. They were not, but your cloak will. It will get red. I could definitely see monks synergizing with Iomade pretty well. Yeah, I vibe with Oracle for Iomade too. Like Battle Mystery Oracle Iomade. Yes, that's good. And I liked. Was it you that was saying that like? You don't get to choose. I mean, I, everybody knows you don't get to choose where oh, your yeah. power comes from as an oracle. But you can hope it's Iomade. <laughs> or yeah, even better, you could be afraid of where your power comes from. And you pray to Iomade to, to help you contain it. Yeah, one of the things about oracle uh, is that unlike a cleric who is praying to a god and receiving power from that god through your faith, an oracle is just granted power and so like as a battle oracle aomide might be someone who is giving you some of your power but you might also be getting empowered by some evil god of destruction you could be getting your power from rovagog and praying to aomide for uh the the courage the valor to not destroy with this power that you've been given i'm not vibing with psychic Mm. No, I'm not feeling it. Mm. But I mean, but we I, can go I the used blade, blade never Oh, I just, I'm not feeling it. Like, 
Because now you're like getting into the... It's, 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 it's weird. It's weird. I agree I mean, it's weird. I agree it's weird. But I think you could do some compelling things with an Aomade and Psychic where you are... Uh, okay, a picture, if you will. You are born with psychic powers, right? You maybe during your young life as, as a youth, you struggle to control them. What do you do? Who do you turn to? You find the Aomidean faith. You find uh, uh, people who are uh, fighting for justice, fighting for valor, because fighting for Because you're poor in Cheliacs, you know? And maybe so. so. Like, Again, though, so like, you... but, but, I mean, this is how it could happen, but, mm -hmm. like, how does it synergize? You know, like, what is it about Iomide that would make a psychic say, yeah, I'll go to that? Or what is it about Iomide that would make someone say, I'd like to develop my psychic power? I just don't feel it. Oh. Uh, okay, an interesting connection. Um, so one of the edicts of Iomide is acting for justice, practicing temperance, right? Oh, and so, now that's a tie-in. Mm -hmm. So you are practicing your ability, honing your ability to control your mind, the discipline of your mind, right? And then also just the fact that temperance is a tarot card, so that's kind of a, a little, yeah, I mean, little cult tie-in there. Ooh. That, I mean, that is one of her edicts. I think one of the one of the paths of the mind or something even has temperance in it, right? Like, mm -hmm. yeah, that's good. Like, I like that. That, that, that mm -hmm. actually strangely fits. Yeah. Ranger is, you know, pretty pretty straightforward. Uh, the life of an Io, Iomidean means you go out and you try to help people. Rangers literally go out and maybe help people in the woods if they're if they're so inclined to do so i think those two go together really well really yeah and if you wanted if there. you wanted the the nature tie-in with the druid again you can go back to the gendelin fangwood well and of course if you don't even interest if you're not even interested in the nature side mm -hmm. I, would, I don't think you have to be you'd just be like a scout you know armies yep. need scouts and a lot of armies like iomaday that you could swords. be you could be an army scout who just happens to have a, a lion friend. That's right. That'd be a good animal companion, wouldn't it? Yeah. I guess I guess jumping ahead a little bit, that would also be a good summoner. Oh, yeah. I guess, I mean, I see how that could work, but would anything... Yeah, I could see the Iodian faith drawing someone to be a summoner or vice versa, because... Sometimes you want to help people, but you don't have the strength. I could easily see it just being like a little, like a subculture thing of Iomade that you go get help when you need it. You yeah. Know? So the um, the the beast eidolon with like a, a lion definitely works, but having like an angel eidolon is also like really tapping into that well where uh, heralds are often well, that's uh, angels. That's true. All right, let's go. Let's go back though. Rogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. Rogue. Because and remember, like we need to try and be lawful, good, and or or neutral good. So rogue. Yeah, I, you can absolutely be a lawful rogue. 
be a saboteur uh, against mm-hmm. an illegitimate judge, you know, uh, rulership. I can yeah. easily see that. Or even just a warrior who is focused on teamwork. You know, because like so often we imagine sneak attack as like this nefarious like stab in the back thing. But as far as the mechanics are concerned, it's just you doing extra damage because you are flanking with a teammate. So if you are someone who fights with your allies, if you are part of a group who is employing tactics to fight together, sneak attack could be flavored as just your ability to work together with the rest of your team. You know, there's a lot of ways you can go with this. Also, Mm -hmm. if, you know, you are part of this knightly order uh, that gets things done, you could be... Like, you could be drawn to the path of rogue because they're in need of a specialist. One, one, of, the, one of the rogue, uh, I'm going to use the word archetypes, but not a pathfinder sense. One of the rogue archetypes that, that I like to play around with is the rogue who is actually just a surgeon or like just a doctor or, or like a combat medic. Yeah. Somebody who needs to fill that role easily, uh, who, who's, you know, tied to this knightly order easily could be drawn to the rogue path. You know? Yeah, and as, as a rogue, as far as your mechanics are concerned, you get so many skills, you get so many skill increases, you get so many skill feats. Exactly. You're going to be like, you're overflowing with opportunities to take battle medicine. And that's just for medic. Any any number of things that a knightly order mm-hmm. might need done. You, you're the, the siege engineer, you know? Any, any skilled, like truly, this is the skilled person of these knights. That could easily Making be. sure those used blades never dull. That's right. Sorcerer, uh, uh, just like a celestial bloodline. Yeah, but you're blessed by Amade. You're blessed by angels, so on and so forth. I feel like that's just a good option. I don't know necessarily know that those kind of help each other though. It's like yeah, mm-hmm. I could be face yeah. sorcerer. Return to that uh, that Gendelwin connection. Now that now that would be cool. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool. Yeah, I don't think sorcerer adds or doesn't or or, or detracts from Iomade or vice versa. I think they just kind of can coexist. Mm, you know what you could do as a sorcerer? Because when you are a sorcerer, your power comes from a bloodline. And you don't, like, from a, from a meta perspective, as a player character, like, as the player of the character, you choose your bloodline. But as a character inside the narrative, you don't choose your bloodline. You are just born with that, right? So what... If you were, okay, yes. What if you were a sorcerer with the undead bloodline? I was just thinking, when you started this this line, I was thinking, what if she goes with the undead bloodline? That would be the so The undead cool. bloodline. You did not choose this, but the touch of undeath runs through your blood. Yeah, and you know, if you've had trouble fighting this, or if... If you're not even undead yourself, but you have a touch of the undead in you, what if it manifests in ways that you're not necessarily comfortable with? You know, what mm-hmm. if you kind of just, you'd like to do some bad things? What if you're, like, in real life, like, some psychopaths know they're a psychopath, and they don't want to be a psychopath, and they're bothered by the things that their condition uh, asks them to do. So what if you're, like, and, and some of them get Jesus to help them out, right? Well, maybe these people mm-hmm. get Iomine to help them fight. The stuff, man. This that, that got dark. I wasn't ready for this to get so dark. 
you brought if you yeah but what if you were born in like the parts of galarian that were corrupted by tarbafon and tarbafon's corruption has like damaged you and your family and you have this on like this power over on death and like you don't want that you don't want to be undead you don't want to create undead you think undead are bad like i do think you're right i think that the undead particular particularly the undead bloodline actually could have some pretty good synergies with iomedic mm-hmm. And interest, and you know, there's some smaller ones in there too, like the ancestors' bloodline. Oh, my mm-hmm. parents died back, then, you know. But I think that the undead one's more compelling. Mm-hmm. Swashbuckler doesn't feel all that Iomidian to me. Well, I mean, it's like the it's like the fighter. Like you're you're going to battle, you fight for valor, you're courageous, your your courage gives you the panache, and so on and so forth. Yeah, but swashbuckler, like the whole what separates you from a fighter is the fact that you do stupid stuff. To look cool mm. while you're doing it. I mean, first of all, first of all, is it stupid stuff per se, or is it just uh, that you are, uh, I don't know, like particularly brave? Well, I mean, if you weren't doing the stupid stuff, you'd just get a straight up plus two to your attack bonus because fighter is more proficient in their weapon. So it's a little stupid. (laughs) The the poor swashbuckler. There's not a great reason to play them when the fighter is a thing. Okay. You could be a swashbuckler. You could be the type of swashbuckler that is focused on intimidation. And you could be just like... Oh, now that's a bend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could just be like... You know, you get so fired up, you go into f- combat, you uh, do the, the, the swashbuckler stuff, and you are just, like, so courageous that it gives you panache. Well, you know, I mean, the the deity skill, all of the clerics and champions of Iomidae are trained in intimidation, hearkening <laughs> to the fact that sometimes you just gotta scare evil into doing what's right. Mm-hmm. That could easily fit the intimidation, you know, style of the swashbuckler. You that know what actually... else? You know what else is an option? Okay, what else? The the performance swashbuckler because you have those smoke bombs. Oh, the smoke bombs! No. <laughs> Speaking of those smoke bombs, that's that's what thaumaturgs has got to do, right? Oh yeah! Oh yeah! <laughs> Look, no, thaumaturgs. It's a natural to... fit. I don't know. I think it's a natural fit for being yeah, like. Yeah, but are a, they a natural fit for every deity by nature of how the thaumaturge is? Um. Yes and no, but I think they are particularly apt for Aomade, and here are my reasons. One, Aomade is all about uh the, the knightly orders, the crusades, the fighting the undead, so on and so forth. Thaumaturge is a monster fighter. Undead are monsters, right? That's true. Two, yeah. Ayamade has all of her acts of Ayamade where she defeated like uh this obscure creature, that obscure creature, all of these things that she smoted and cut the wings off, blah 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 blah. She did all of this monster hunting herself, and now you can do it too, and you know all of those uh acts of Ayamade. You have that memorized because you're a thaumaturge and you know all this wacky stuff. You know everybody's weaknesses because you've memorized all of the things that Ayamade did in life, right? You know all of the legends about Ayamade's deeds. So you're a nerd. I mean, you're a you're nerd just, for you're Iomide, just, yeah. You're just a huge stand for Iomidae. You're such a stand for Iomidae that you're a thaumaturge now. 
I have collectibles from each of her 11 sacred acts. Oh my god. And I will use them against evil. Yeah, and then you have, you know, your weapon implement for your longsword or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Now, we're going to skip Witch for a moment. But I promise we'll get back to it. Wizard. Uh, I mean, the only connection I have, and I think it's flimsy, is that if you're more on the, I have to use the legal system to enforce real change or to manipulate real change in a large order, you're probably going to like books a lot. And you know who else likes books? It's the wizard. I I don't think that's a strong connection, though. I wonder if these are another two concepts that just merely coexist rather than support each other. Uh, I mean, kind of similar to how the druid had the very, like, anti and dead angle that you could pursue, I feel like there are archetypes in Book of the Dead. Oh, like for, a necromancer. Uh, that kind of stuff, but, like, uh, necromancy archetypes that are very focused on fighting undead versus controlling the undead, right? Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, that's a good fit, actually. That's pretty good. Now, the witch. The reason I wanted us to do this last is because this is the one everybody keeps asking us for, actually. Yeah. Like, how would that work, you know? Jess, I think you have thoughts on this. Uh, I do. So, here are my thoughts on being a witch who is a follower of Aomide. Uh We know that all gods have heralds. We know that Aomide used to be a herald. We also can infer from the fact that Aomide is now a god that Aomide must also have a herald. What if your patron is Aomide's herald? You worship Aomide, but your power as a witch is not necessarily coming from a god because you're not an oracle or a, 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 a cleric or a palad, like a champion. You are a witch, so your, your power is coming from a patron. But that patron could be still connected to Aomide. It could be Aomide's herald. You know, this is interesting. Because when anytime any of us thinks of witch, we think of the patrons that are dark and mysterious. It's, you know, by nature of what the witch is from a cultural perspective. But this mm-hmm. gives an interesting bend for characters who want to be more justice-focused or more goodly-focused. What if their patrons are these good you know, mysterious forces of good out in the universe. I think this is a great way to handle that. All right, so Aomide's current herald. Aomide has had a couple heralds in the past. One of them was an angel, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Aomide's current herald is uh, Galfrey, or Queen Galfrey, uh, the former ruler of Mendev. Oh, cool. uh, That actually makes a lot of sense. If, yeah, if, yeah. If listeners so, know what happened in Mendev. Yeah, so after, uh, so uh, uh, Queen Mend- uh, Queen Galfrey was a part of the, was a, a paladin of Aomide, uh, who was a part of closing the world wound. And after the world wound uh, was successfully closed, Galfrey led the assaults on some demons. Uh, when the, uh, when the Fifth Mendevian Crusade ended, this is when Galfrey stepped down as Mendev's leader and then uh, became Aomide's new herald. Now, to get back to the witch, though, 
I do think that this is a way a witch can work as a devout mm-hmm. of Iomade, mm-hmm. but I'm not necessarily seeing the draw from one side or the other, unless we look at it from kind of the same explanation we used for the summoner. Maybe your PC d- sees injustice, wants to do something about it, but you don't really have the strength yourself, so you reach out and make this bond with, say, like the Herald of Iomade or like some great spirit of of doing justice. I think mm-hmm. that could easily draw a witch. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like any, uh, like any any of like the Imperium lords would be a great patron, and I feel like you could worship uh Ayamide in addition to uh getting your power from an imperial lord like i don't i don't think that that is in any way like incongruent right like suppose that you were being granted powers by like uh regathiel right if you if you were getting your if you were empowered by a bargain with regathiel and your uh your interests were in uh, doing all of your Aomade and Knight stuff. That this sounds like something that Regathiel would be totally down with. Yeah. Now, because this is already <laughs> the longest episode <laughs> we've ever done, oh it is God. time to answer questions. As always, when when applicable, we like to get questions from you, our listeners, about the subject that we'll be covering. And so this week we have several questions here from our listeners on the No Direction Discord. If you would like to ask one of our questions, please go to our Discord and we will be posting calls for questions based off the upcoming episodes. Our first one comes from patron Vardok Bloodstone asking, how would Iomide be viewed in places like the Mwangi Expanse or Kadira? Right. So as far as the Mwangi Expanse is concerned, I think the most compelling place to insert like the worship of Iomide would be uh, Vidrian, which is a nation that just recently gained its freedom from uh, Chalaxian rulers. And given Iomide's history as a uh, Talden woman, a paladin who came from Chaliax, uh, th- this seems, as-, as someone who is interested in um, only having like a-, a rightful ruler and uh, honor, justice, valor, uh, standing up for the innocent. Uh, it seems to me like um, people of Vidrian might be very interested in uh, focusing more on um, the idea that they have the right to govern themselves, and the rightful rulers of Vidrian is Vidrian, not Cheliax, right? And so focusing on that aspect of freedom, of justice, of uh, fighting oppressors, of fighting evil. Uh, it's possible also that they might focus like depictions of her. They might focus more on her symbol of the lion or her symbol of the sword rather than like literally her appearance. Just given that like she was a person from the inner sea. So it makes sense that when she's worshipped in the inner sea, she is like the literal person that she was rather than kind of extrapolating a little bit more. And I think now with all the different nations in the Mwangi expanse, we could do this all day, Mm -hmm. but the only other one that I think is all that interesting then would be like Mazali where they've got the God 
king boy who like reigns immortal and he either is the brother of one of the deities that is the shining lion or or that's his brother i can't remember um but i feel like I, they're kind of evil he that mazali is so i feel like they'd kind of a see her as competition and be just a do-gooder sticking her nose in things now in kadira i don't know that there's much interesting to be said about kadira because she's not on the official religion list for kadira but you know who is saren ray and Iomidae and Serenry, they're friends. They both like to do the good fight. So I don't know that I don't know that they're gonna choose Iomidae uh, for specifically cultural reasons in Kadira. Yeah, like I, I imagine that she's wor- like her worship is particularly prominent in the inner sea because she was a mortal who was a part of the Knights of Ozem. Uh, her legend as someone who took the test of the Starstone is ultimately kind of regional. So from patron Andrew Mullen, what are some ways to spice up using a longsword? Oh, have you heard about smoke bombs? Oh my goodness. That would work, though. Yeah. Uh, I mean... Spicing up using a longsword, uh, like, mechanics-wise, or, or what, like... Let me, let me put let me back this out to a more meta level yeah. or yeah. a literary a creative literary level. The the way you spice up anything is just by going into more detail on it. Mm. But why are we using a long sword? You know, is it was this a gift from your parents? Is it because uh, this is the sword that your friend was killed with? Like yeah yeah what's that's the reason. Oh. Because this is what's available, and it's the most practical. You can go hard into that, and now it's interesting. I yeah, use a you long have sword whole... because this is the weapon that deals death. Yeah, you have that whole sword inheritance thing to lean in on. Like, where did you get this long sword from? Did it come from your family? Did it come from the community? Was it donated to the church? Who did this sword belong to before it belonged to you? Or do you have a new sword for some reason? And if so, why? Yeah, so, I mean... That's how you spice it up. You just give it more detail. Yeah. Uh, so listener Brian Lane asks, how did Aomide feel about her difference in alignment with her mentor Aerodin? And how does she feel about his uh, uh, frequently discussed issues? So for listeners who might not be familiar, Aerodin, say if you're new to Pathfinder, Aerodin... Mm-hmm was the god of humanity mm-hmm. and he went missing slash died and Iomide being the inheritor inherited her power her powers and her fall and the worshippers of Aridan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he kind of sucked. He did some stuff that he shouldn't have done, and he wasn't necessarily a force for good, but he was a force for humanity, which is kind of fitting <laughs> yeah humanity does kind of suck so okay. here's here's the thing about uh Aomide and Aridin that i find extremely interesting as far as like extrapolating what was Aomide's opinion on Aridin. so Aridin was a god Aridin had a herald arasni and Aomide was a mortal paladin but she was not a paladin of Aerodin. She was a paladin of Aerodin's Herald. Well, yeah, that's true. That's a snub. 
that's true. Yeah. And specifically back then, Arasni was what the Red Crusader. Like she was yeah. her own thing. Yeah. But she, yeah. she was her own thing, but she was also like, she wasn't a fully divine god. Like she was a herald. A herald was the thing that she was. Yeah, so it feels like Iomide then really saw Aridin as a means to an end, with the end being enacting justice and fighting for what's right. Whereas, like, she did, like if she fully vibed with Aridin and Aridin's portfolio, she would have been a paladin of Aridin, but she yeah, didn't. Sure. She chose to be a champion of Arasni because it was what Arasni stood for that she believed in. And, and then as for how she Choosing to become Aroden's herald then was probably less about serving Aroden and more about continuing Arasni's legacy. Especially after uh, some, after we unpin some of the notes. <laughs> oh, we will get to this. <laughs> mm-hmm. From listener Joss Vlad, do you believe what? What do you believe her test of the Starstone entailed? Why was she worthy? She just loved longswords that much, you know. Starstone that looked at her. It was like, do you love something with like all of your heart? Are you completely devoted to one singular concept that can be your holy weapon and your holy symbol and people can get tattooed on their bodies? Oh yeah, you love longswords. That's sick. New headcanon. The true believers of Iomide know that her real favorite weapon is the smoke bomb. Is the smoke bomb. (laughs) Is the smoke bomb. Yeah. Yeah. Now the the test of the Starstone and even the Starstone Citadel or whatever is mm-hmm. so outrageously nebulous so that you can headcanon pretty much anything you want about it. The only things we really know about it is that is that the 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 cathedral is surrounded by a bottomless pit and you have to get across it mm-hmm. and probably if you try to use magic you'll fall. Probably. I don't know if that's canon somewhere, but I bet it's true. And then, if you read between the lines, you can also see that people who have gone to the Citadel and came back tell tales of an ever-changing labyrinth of, of different challenges, uh, guardians, and things like that. Which means that we know that there are challenges and guardians and somewhat of a maze situation going on in there. So, but that said, I feel like when you get past those things, I feel like the main test... The main thing that she had to deal with was probably the was probably guilt. I agree. I don't know if this is something that we want to talk about in this episode, or if this is going to be like another uh, pin. But pin. given, yeah, given that we can extrapolate, and that it, uh, Joss has also extrapolated uh, in asking, "What do you believe her test of the Starstone entailed?" Like we can assume that the Starstone is going to test every individual person in a different way, in the way that they need to be tested, and the way that Ayamide needed to be tested was central to like the fallout of what happened to her previous deity, uh, Arasni. Probably, this is where, I think, in my opinion. And this is where we'll put the pin because this could mm-hmm. just go on forever. From listener Lava Bing, what are what are what types of philanthropic organizations does the church officially operate? And I'm and I'm going to assume 
lava being, that when you say officially, you don't mean Paizo officially. You just mean, like, in world, what might be some official charities? Yeah, like public defenders. Oh, yeah, like like just a straight-up, like, guild of, like, barristers, you know? <laughs> That's a good one. I liked the idea that, you know, maybe there's, like, a mercenary company and they just give, like, half their proceeds to a charity that does something like that. Maybe that charity. Maybe they all work together. I could easily <laughs> see that being a thing. Uh, I could also imagine the Church of uh, Aomide being uh, kind of loosely allied with the Firebrands. Oh, yeah, for sure. Maybe they're, like, arms dealers for the Firebrands. Oh, no. <laughs> all right, I don't have a, I don't have a good answer for the next one, but... I wanted us to talk about it because I think it's a conversation that should always be had. From Listener Mirror, how does Iomide's faith push back against the lawful, stupid stereotype seen with paladins? Well, I Off mean... Off the top of my head, one of her edicts is to be temperate. Yes. Uh, and then I will also note the the bit of lore where if you, like, go off white knighting trying to defend people who, like, frankly don't need your help, uh, Ayamade is not a fan, and she's going to make it known to you that she does not approve of this behavior. I guess, you know, I hadn't thought about it until now, but I guess really the lore for Ayamade does specifically attempt to combat that lawful stupid stereotype, doesn't it? It's that lived experience she has from being a mortal paladin and knowing what paladins are like. Yeah, I really feel like we could do a whole second episode just talking about Iomide in more depth. Theorizing mm. about about that guilt, where it comes from, how she deals with it. There, there's so much to be said there. And that'll probably be part of the episode that may or may not come in the future. I'd like to do it. We might do it. If we do, though, it'll be a bit in the future because there's a lot of pieces that need to fall in place first. Yeah, there, there's a lot of there's a lot more gods in like the core twenty too. So basically, that episode will inherit all of this baggage from my own day because that's all we have for you today. Make sure to check out the rest of our content on the No Direction Network because if you like this show or any of our other blogs or shows. Please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash no direction because it's the support of our patrons that make this all possible. Until next time, I'm Jess. And I'm Lauren. Thank you for listening to Legend Lore. And as always, this ritual requires two secondary casters. <laughs> <laughs>